0: Glory to God. So open your Bibles, if you would, please, today to Matthew chapter 7. And with great fear and trepidation, I have the honor of ministering again when my pastor is present. And uh, you know that whole thing about Jesus you know, receiving a shepherd, Jesus today works his shepherd's heart through men and women that he gifts with that office. And uh, I would not, my wife and I, we would not be the people, have the life we have, uh, have the ministry we have, the anointing on our lives, if it were not for Pastor Nancy, Dr. Dufresne, Dr. Jacobs, others that have spoken into our lives. So we are so grateful. Amen. Amen. So in praying and waiting on God about what I should do this morning, I had a lot of peace and joy about just marching right on this morning with our family series. Amen. So, for those of you from California visiting or, or first-time visitors in the region here, this will be part number eight. So, for a number of weeks, we've been uh, teaching along the lines of marriage and family, a series that I'm calling "Building the Family." Amen. And so, I have a message that uh, I teach at the Bible School uh, when I have opportunity in California. What an honor that is, and uh, that I call "Who Should I Marry." <laughs> Who should I marry? And uh, so I'm going to minister that to us today. And uh, you say, well, I'm married. <laughs> Can I, do we have time to fly some of our? Single people? Come on, bring them on. <laughs> We're pumping it out right now, Pastor. We're pumping it out. And uh, so much of what I'm going to share, I got from Pastor Nancy. And uh, the spirit of it, at least. And uh, I know that many of you here are married and happily married. And uh, praise God. If you see, you, everyone's going to get a nugget this morning. Everybody will get a nugget. And uh, in upcoming services, I'll be ministering to the husbands. Uh, we'll be ministering to the wives, the children. We're going we're to tackle, Lord willing, the whole family dynamic. But we have young people coming up. Many of us, like me, you're like me. I have... Uh, uh, pre-teenage and I've got teenage and I've got post-teenage, but all my kids are uh, are unmarried and so we are still believing God and doing everything we can to guide them and nurture them and instruct them in these things so that they can make the best choice possible. Who you marry is one of maybe the top two or three decisions you are ever going to make in your entire life. And how much of the plan of God you get to walk out, how much of the plan of God you get to experience in your life is going to depend in great part in your choice, in your choice of a mate. So, anyway, before I get too ramped up, let's read our golden text here. And in Matthew chapter seven, verse number 24 is our golden text for this series. Jesus said, therefore, whoever or whosoever, that's you, that's me, hears these sayings of mine, and here's a big word, doeth them, does them. To that person, Jesus said, I liken unto him as a wise man who built his house, right? We're calling that a family. Family, the beginning of family is what? It's marriage, isn't it? The beginning of marriage is picking a mate. Praise God. Well, are we ones that build our house on a rock? that can withstand all the wind and storms. Or he went on and said uh, in verse number 26, and everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened in the Lord's eyes as a foolish person who built their marriage, their family on the sand. And when a strong enough wind or storm comes along, it's surely going to knock it down. And like one translation says, it will collapse with a great crash. You know, before I reach halfway in this message, Many thousands of people will get divorced statistically. It's happening over and over and over, all the time. And uh, so, praise God, we have a 100% chance of succeeding in marriage when we do it God's way. People are not getting married today because I think they've given up on the institution. They have so many examples of failure, heartache, despair, people that... Uh, they witnessed that state in their marriage, but they know people are miserable in that relationship, slaved in that, in bondage in that relationship, and they've thrown it off, or they've thrown it off to embrace their sin and the culture and perversion. But I tell you what, you do not have to be afraid of marriage. Yes. Marriage is the very first institution God created, yes. amen, and it's in a married state, statistically, you know, evidence proves this out, that people are going to be their most fruitful and they're happiest, they're healthiest, they're going to make the most money. It, you know, studies show that people who are married recover faster from surgery than single people do. They're less likely to have heart attacks and strokes and different things. Amen. That's why when, it's just proof and evidence that God was right. Again, when he said it's not good for man to be alone. Amen. Now, if you're single, saved, and satisfied, God bless you. There is that grace for folks. And Paul said, if you can hack that, then you have an advantage. If you can control yourself, amen. And if you can harness your being and be single and not sin. But a lot of us can't do that. So Paul said, get yourself a wife. Get yourself a husband. Amen. Amen. But to do it right, to have bliss, to have fulfillment, to have joy and not misery, Jesus said, build your house on the rock, on the rock. And it's very simple. How do I build my house, my marriage on the rock? I have to hear the sayings of Jesus and I have to do them. Hearing them doesn't make you wise. It is only when you do the word that the fruit of wisdom begins to work in our life. Let me quote something to you as you're on your way to Genesis 24. This is Proverbs 24, but you're going to Genesis 24. Proverbs 24, verse 3 in the Amplified says, Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built. So great homes, great families, great marriages, they are built. As I said last week, the word build implies intent, forethought, planning, planning. And specific purpose. This building is not the product of random evolution. It was thought through. Every detail. Amen. We intended to do it, we purposed to do it. The only way you reach a safe and stable structure, amen, is to do it wisely, with skill, amen, and with godly wisdom. Praise God. And so that's what we're endeavoring to do. So we want to get right into the meat of this uh, message about who should I marry. And so I wanted, the Lord dealt with me about this as a wonderful example of what's available to us. Now, you know, in our church, no matter what I preach, uh, I always try to get people to be conscious of our motto, right? No condo bondo. There is no condemnation. There is no bondage, right? If you get in condemnation or bondage by what I preach, you've missed the, the heart and the intent. You know, if, if you're, you're married, praise God. Remember what I said last week? That's the will of God for you, to be in that marriage. And if, if, if you married a lemon, amen, then you believe God to make a Chick-fil-A lemonade, man. That's what you believe. That's what you believe. I believe in all kinds of miracles. I come from a broken home and I've experienced the miracle of repair and restoration and new beginnings. But for those I'm speaking primarily to those parents who are raising up children who will be married one day or people who are coming of age, amen, how high do you want it? How, how good do you want life to be? How sweet, how sweet do you want it? The things I'm sharing uh, uh, from the word today will be things that Uh, People will take that want they want to take their life to the highest God told me one of the mandates on this church is lift the standard and so we're endeavoring to do that in every area so Genesis 24 and verse number 1 it says and Abraham was old and well stricken in age and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things amen turn my page in my notes blessed him in all things that's a good place to be And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. That's a serious thing back then. You're about to swear an oath. And I will make you swear an oath to the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall... Now I want you to, maybe if you've got something to mark with, notice, you know, Abraham's at the end. He's at the end. He's lived a long, full, blessed, prosperous life. And as the baton is in his hand, He has completed his leg of the race. Now, when you get to your end, I've never been there, but I have been with people who have. They're at the end of their earthly life. They're not thinking about small stuff. They're not thinking, I wish I had a few less weeds in my flower bed. You know, they're just not thinking about small things. And Abraham here is not thinking about small things. Get a nugget. Get a little bit of an insight, a revelation. What is living big, paramount in the heart of Abraham at the end. Here is a man who knows that the plan of God is going to outlive him, that he is just a very important cog in the wheel of a long-term plan, and it's going to depend on other things, other dominoes falling the right way for God to have his long-term plan fulfilled to get the Messiah into the earth. So Abraham is telling his servant, you swear by the Lord to me this day, the God of heaven, that you will not take a wife unto my son from among the daughters of the Canaanites. So there's a phrase here. Number one, he says, swear unto God to me that you will not allow my son to go get a wife from the wrong crowd. Okay and from among the daughters of whom I dwell. But you shall go unto my country, and I wrote in my Bible, the right camp. Amen. You shall go unto my, unto my country and unto my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. So there is a wrong pool. You could fish out of the wrong pond. You know, we've seen people, ministers even, raise up their kids the right way, kept them in the local church, got them through high school, and then sent them to, you know, university where they found a wife, they fished a wife out of the wrong pool. Now, if God tells you to go to university, that's one thing. But most of us us in ministry, (laughs) we're raising up kids to serve in ministry. And so anyway, it was very important to Abraham that Isaac get the right one. He knew, think about it, for the covenant to continue, the plan of God to continue, he's thinking, my son's got to marry right. My son's got to marry right. And there's nobody right in that group over there. There's nobody right in that group over there. Hallelujah. Let me just drop this nugget on you. Take it, don't take it. Believe God for a spouse out of your own spiritual camp, company. Now, you might be saying, boys or girls, I'm looking around here and I don't see any candidates that light my fire. I didn't say this exclusively this church. I'm talking about people who believe like you believe. Think like you think. Love what you love. Honor what you honor. Save you a lot of problems. Amen. Maybe you need to believe God to go to some meetings. Not to shop for a mate, but you know, I mean, to make yourself available. I hear, I hear Dad to Frank going meat market. It is not a meat market. I understand. But it's all about just being where, being where God told you to be. Amen. Pastor Nancy could get up here and tell the story about uh, how she was instructed by the Spirit to tell Stephen, her oldest son, send him south. Dr. DeFran is a traveling minister. And so he found, she found out when her husband was traveling south, included a church down in Florida. And Stephen found, found a good one. Fished her right out of the right camp, right? Amen. Yeah, same spiritual father, same camp, same belief system. Amen. Here's something, before we turn away from this passage, I want to show you something else in here. And so basically, the servant he had some with, he knew this was a heavy revy. He, he was going to take this on. He had a little, what's my out here? What if this lady doesn't want to go? So he talked to him about all that. But look at verse seven. It says, And the Lord God of heaven, uh, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spoke unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto your seed will I give this land. He, this God I serve, shall send his angel before thee, and you shall take a wife from my son. Parents, I want to say something to parents. Here what you're seeing is Abraham's faith in God to be directly involved in helping his son find the right one. Parents, use your faith. Don't just hope for the best. Use your faith. Bring your faith. Abraham is expressing his faith. He's saying, listen, servant, I have faith in God, and he is going to use you. But the God whom I serve is going to send his angel, and he's going to prosper your way. You can read that later on. I want you to see something else here. Isn't it wonderful that Abraham is expecting the direct involvement of God himself in the joining of two people together? Come on. Now again, no condo bondo, but I am so thrilled in my testimony that I can look back and say that the Lord, I, you could look back and see the Father's hand putting Amber and I together. Literally, Isaac and Rebecca was a match made in heaven. It was not a match made on match. It was not a match made on eHarmony.com. Those algorithms a million times over would not have put Amber and I together. But God did. Amen. I said, but God did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, parents, you could use your faith. If God got directly involved to help his son, we are the seed of Abraham. That's right. Come on. It was the specific combination of Isaac and Rebecca's DNA and contribution that birthed the next leg of that covenant race, Jacob. It takes specific combinations to produce children. Yes, a spirit is inserted, but my spirit is being expressed through the body, mind, and personality that was created by God through the joining of two elements, my mom and my dad. Amen. And you're inherently, you don't get, that's a wholly unique thing. You can't, you know, Reproduce that in a lab. Right. Amen. Amen. So all the dominoes began to fall. Amen. Amen. So, praise God. Let me give you some nuggets today about, or just some thoughts. Take it. Don't take it. Praise God. Uh, about who you should marry. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The first and the most basic. Now, I'm a little warm here, but I'm moving around a lot. So maybe that one. Praise God. Uh, there are biblical requirements for Christian marriage. Uh, you don't have to turn there. We could put it up on the board, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. I'll read it from the Amplified. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The Amplified says, do not make, I like this, mismated alliances. Don't make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them. Here's another phrase I like an alliance inconsistent with your faith. You are breaking the word to marry someone that is not a true, bona fide, fruit-producing follower of Jesus Christ. You have no business falling in love with a sinner if they aren't blood washed and have evidence that they're blood washed. Right? Well, they started coming to church when, yeah, when on. they asked me out. Yeah, yeah well, no. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. No, ask any pastor that's pastored very long. That we've seen that before. We watched that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Let me read this to you from uh, another translation. I like the God's Word translation. Says, stop forming inappropriate relationships. Woo! I don't know what pastor's experience is, but over almost 20 years of pastoring, the lion's share of all the private counseling I've done is over marital conflict. You could save me a lot of time (laughs) by marrying right. Can I give you a hard saying? You know, every day of my life, Every day of my life, on some level to some degree, I receive a blessing when others receive a curse. Simply because I'm married the right one. Pastor, what are you talking about? Because I'm married the right one, I have no concern in me that I can't follow hard after God and she, she won't go with me. I can travel to India and back. I, I can go to meetings. I can go and do whatever I need to do. And I have no insecurity in me at all that she would remain faithful and loyal to me. None. And then just the everyday sweetness that we experience that others don't. Now listen, no condo bono. If you're married you and you just realize, well, I'm not this, decide to be this. Decide to be a blessing to your maiden, you can have what I have. But every day of my life, I celebrate that on some level I receive a blessing when I know others can't say that. And it all goes back to 25 years ago in January, I picked the right one. She And she picked the right one. Amen. Stop forming inappropriate relationships. Right cannot partner up with wrong. I like the New Living, it says don't team up. Don't team up with an unbeliever. Amen. You know, the best wives and the best husbands are people that fit the Matthew text. They are hearers and doers of the word. They are hearers and doers of the word. Amen. You know, it's devastating to marry a project. It's devastatingly naive. Marriage does not change people. It's a a deception to believe that on the way through the wedding ceremony, they're going to go through Clark Kent's chamber and come out Superman. It's just not going to happen. Marriage is not a change agent. Let me tell you what marriage is. Marriage is a great big magnifier. Whatever that person is, before you put the ring on, they are gonna be times a hundred after they got you, after they conquered you. Marriage isn't a change agent, it is a magnifier. So you need to thoroughly know them before you say yes to them. And many of you know my Amber Knight's testimony, and the right version of that testimony is mine. It's mine. Just to have to say that, but you know, when when I walked down that theater classroom at OU and asked her on a date, I wasn't qualified to date her. I had had that experience with God in the frat party. I, I was coming out. I was reading my Bible, but I had a lot of problems. I had thinking problems. I had believing problems. I had I don't have a pastor problem. I had all kinds of problems. Now, but because of god's foreknowledge and his sovereignty and all that he saw past that and so he he was working even before i was qualified to date her but we dated for three and a half years i was thoroughly changed i was thoroughly changed i was right with god i was in the word not because i needed to prove something to her to get her to say yes to me but because i wanted the word i was pursuing god and I did that over a long period of time. Amen. Amen. And I renewed my mind. And somewhere along the line, I passed her up. She's still trying to catch me. <laughs> Joking. Amen. But praise. So God can move in, in imperfect, right? Every time he moves in people, it's in imperfect in, in circumstances. But she didn't say yes to me until I was, I was not a project. I was not a project. Amen. So you want to find someone, ideally, who has already got God first when you find them. And if you're going to hang around with them long enough to see if they'll get God first, you better guard your emotions because I learned this from Pastor Nancy, you can absolutely fall in love emotionally with the wrong person. And now you're, you're rooted in your soul and you're going to have to dig really deep and, and find a lot of spiritual and solical strength to break free because you allowed yourself to get attached before you should. Amen. I always tell people, Jesus said judge a tree by its fruit. A lot of times we'll have plants so we forgot to take the tag off of them. They're planted in the ground, you know, they got to the, well don't we don't judge a tree by the tag. You judge a tree by its fruit. And you need to date someone long enough to find out, amen, what kind of fruit they have. Absolutely. I told people in my mentoring class recently that you need to date someone long enough to see them angry. What, are, what is that gal like angry? Oh, we never, we never disagree. Well, you need to find, make up something. Provoke them. Find their enemy and put them together and watch. gals get on the other side of the wedding ceremony and then find they've got a fist flyer on their hand, you know, and you need to find out what, what is that person like under pressure? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, I'm trying to. Hallelujah. So again, I, I lived my life before God long enough for Amber to find out I was the real deal. Amen. Here's a. Uh, wonderful nugget that you could apply as a filter when you're thinking about a candidate. I got this from Pastor Nancy. Ask yourself the question and ask God the question will this person pull me away from the plan of God for my life? That's good. They, could, they could love Jesus with all their heart. They could quote the word of faith. I mean, right? Uh, they could be rightly connected to a pastor, but God knows that person's makeup that person's grace, that person's own individual and unique calling. You know, God did not pick my wife for me and me for her just with our personal married life in mind. There were greater considerations than our personal happiness when God put us together. He put us together, yes, amen, to be fitly joined in the marriage covenant, but he put us together with ministry in mind. Hello. So, and God gave us extra grace because if I think it's up, she thinks it's down. And if I think it's black, she thinks it's white. You just know it. If I think the picture's level on the wall, she knows it's off by three inches. (laughs) And it just takes, I love her and she loves me, but it takes a lot of grace to be sweet in the face of all our differences. In the beginning, our differences are exciting and attractive, but after a few years, they're just annoying. They're just annoying. And that's where you better be established in the love of God. Now, depending on the call, like Isaac, we're talking about Isaac, the call on his life was so weighty. His role was so vitally specific and important that it mattered much more so than maybe other situations. You know, m- maybe it's your situation. Uh, praise God. You've got a high call in your life. God's got great things for you. But in your specific area of calling, you might have a wider range of latitude of choice. But depending upon the call, it could be a disqualifying mark in your life. You know, a generation later, talking about Jacob. Jacob had two sons originally, you know, talk, or Isaac did. Isaac uh, had two sons, right, Jacob and Esau. Now Esau was the firstborn, which God traditionally favors the firstborn. But he rejected Esau from the beginning. And over and over, God was proved right why he rejected Esau and said, I cannot use him to advance my covenant plan. I'm going to have to use the younger one. One of the things, I'm not going to go there for time's sake, but in Genesis 28, you know, as Isaac is, uh, has sent um, Jacob away, he has stolen the blessing. He sends him away because Esau's pledged to kill him. And so he says, go ahead and go find yourself a wife, where I found a wife, and get away from here. And he obeyed and was gone, and I mean, Esau's just hot. He is hot, and you know what he does? He turns, and he saw that the Ishmaelites, a group of people that God rejected, from covenant, right? Displeased his father. So he immediately went out and found an Ishmaelite woman and married her to spite his parents. And God says, see, see, I'm justified. I can't use a man like that. I cannot use a man who's willing to ruin his whole life by marrying wrong to spite his parents. Because he's got a hot temper. The woman's name was like Mahaleth, uh, the the Ishmaelite that he married. I looked her name up in the Hebrew last night. Her name means sickness. So I hope he enjoyed that moment of spiting mom and dad because he married sickness and had to live with her the rest of his days. So friend, you want to pray and you want to get God's thumb of approval you want to find out you want a specific answer to the question will this person as good as they kiss will this person pull Dr. Jacob said you can train anyone to kiss good but kissing don't pay the bills that's wisdom that's wisdom Don't marry them until you know that you know like you're saved that God says this person will not pull you away from my plan. Another consideration, just got another minute or two left, uh, praise God, is uh, consider what kind of family are they coming out of. Now, I know that sounds rough. And I want to say no one should be automatically disqualified because of the family they came out of. Right? I would have been disqualified myself at the state of my family back then that I came out of to be joined with a Holy Ghost girl like my wife. Amen. The question is, see, when, when someone has the disadvantage of coming up in a wrong environment, right, and it's not their fault maybe, but everything about their life is wrong. I look at some folks and I weep for them. I, I know that the only way I think this person has any chance of making it in life is if I could take them and remove them completely out of their world and stick them in mine. But I just can't do that with everybody. I can't do that with you. Amen. Has the person broken free and overcome all that was laid on them by their upbringing? All of the patterns in the thinking of the world Have they sufficiently broken free? Have they laid aside the baggage so that they could live independent if necessary from their unbelieving kin? Enough to go on with you in the plan of God. Here's one of the concerns I have as a a parent with kids coming up to marrying age is that whoever Rex marries He's going to join me and my wife, right? And his future children to everything going on in that family dynamic. You've got to think, okay, my future children, do I want them hanging out days on end at that grandpa's house? What are they going to learn at that grandpa's house? Are they going to get to try tobacco? Get a little sip of whiskey? Maybe you can overcome that, but do you want to deal with that mess? How much of a distraction is that going to be to you as you follow hard after God? I know that's a sobering thing, but you ought to be so... This is a <laughs> lifelong thing that you're... You, you say, I do, you're in it. You're in it. And you're supposed to stay in it until you die, unless something catastrophic and... Biblically acceptable happens, it gives you an exit. And one thing to consider, what, what goes on in that? Is it peaceful? Is it chaotic? Uh, is it full of strife? Don't think that you're not going to have to spend extra spiritual energy countering and combating the influence of that family on your kid. Much less like Faith and Rex and Ryan coming into the call of God on this ministry. It's a weightier matter. And you ought to be more Old Testament like in this, children ought to, ought to care about what mom and dad think. You don't be an Esau. Don't marry despite your parents. You ought to have enough regard for them if they're spiritual parents. Hello. That if they're not thrilled and excited, you ought to wonder to God why that's so. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. (laughs) A lot of people, they're looking for the minimum qualifier. Well, they're safe, Pastor. Well, but is that your level that you want? Is that the level you want? Because there is a higher level. There is a higher level. Praise God. Then there's this. And my, my landing gear is out on the sermon, okay? We're, we're on final approach. That's so good, Praise God. Thanks, Pastor. Um, you know, where am I here? Uh, you should be very interested in the spiritual maturity level of the one you're thinking about. And it's not a black and light law, but you want to, um, you ideally, you want to marry someone that is as, uh, hungry as you? You know the one you're, you're thinking about? They don't have to know the word like you know the word. Right? They, they don't have to be, uh, you know, experienced in the gifts in the spirit to be a good, good candidate. How hungry are they? That's what I'm interested in. You see, what helped, what qualified me eventually to get God's approval to marry her was my hunger was sufficient enough to drive me toward spiritual maturity. And as long as I'm really heading that direction with a right heart and a right motive, then I'm qualified. I'm qualified. Right? So, you know, praise God. I've, I've, I've counseled people. They're, that person that they brought into my office is born again, sure enough. But they are anti-tongues like you would not believe. And if let it be known so. And this lady is spirit-filled. Well, praise God. I mean, you minimally qualify. But people have to make, and she made her own choice, and that's fine. Praise God. But if you marry someone that's different than that, you're going to have stuff to deal with that I don't have to deal with. Let me quote you something from Brother Hagan. Brother Hagan said, the Christian who marries from another world marries someone from another family, those ruled by Satan. Three things will happen as a result. That Christian forfeits their freedom. And so you could apply this more broadly. Are you going to be free with that mate to go to special meetings? Are you going to be free to go to prayer group? Come on, come on. That's so or are they so jealous of your time? You get to be a Sunday only person. And that's all. Are you going to lose the freedom of being able to, at liberty, pray in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit in your own home? Or in your own kitchen, Or you are going to have to hear, stop that devilish stuff? I don't want that. So Brother Hagan said, you make the wrong choice. You're going to, number one, you're going to limit your freedom. Number two, you're going to limit your fellowship with God. You're going to limit your fellowship with God. And then thirdly, you're going to put yourself under bondage to the world. He concludes by saying, I do not believe that that is the will of God. And I agree, that is not the will of God. The reason it's important to marry in the camp, amen, is that you get these basics worked out. I believe in healing. Do you believe in healing? I believe in prosperity. All that prosperity message is of the devil. You need to have some conversations beyond couches and paint colors. <laughs> Amen? Pastor Nancy made this statement. I just love this statement. She said, when God wants to bless your life, he sends a man. When, God, when Satan wants to kill your life, destroy your life, he sends a man a man. So when God wants to bless your life, he sends someone. When the devil wants to destroy your life, he sends someone. And the devil is a counterfeiter. Come on, don't marry a counterfeit. Don't marry the devil's counterfeit. And don't sell yourself short. Well, this is the first one that's ever taken any interest in me and I'm getting older and You want the years you have to be all you dreamed about. Amen. 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 Last thing I'll say to you is, you know, my marriage is successful, number one, because Amber and I are deeply in love with and committed to Jesus. Number two, we are dedicated all out 100% to pursue the plan of God, whatever that is, All the way to the end together. And then number three, we are covenant minded. We're not in this as long as we feel good about it. We're not in this as long as we're happy. Thank God we're happy. Remember what we joked about that in a recent service, right? Marriage is not about happiness. It's not. Marriage is about keeping covenant. Marriage is about keeping promises. I thought it was about being happy. It will produce happiness if you both keep your promises. Well, I'll keep mine if they'll keep theirs. You, immature thing, you. Come on. Amen. So I know I didn't exhaust everything that you could say, considerations, but you need to be supremely led by the Spirit Amen. about this destiny-making, generation-producing decision about who to marry. Amen. And for my folks, I'm not your oracle. I'm certainly not your prophet. I'm not here to lord over you or dictate any, but God gave me a gift yeah. called the pastoral office. Amen. And I just believe you would be wise to be halfway interested in what God would say through me about the one you're thinking about. Amen. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads. Father, we so thank you for your intense interest in the family. Lord, we choose to believe that we can succeed where others have failed. And Lord, as we sang earlier, it is your will that my life be healed. Some people need financial healing in their life. Some people need physical healing in their life. But there's a lot of healing that needs to take place in marriages and families. And I just so thank you for the anointing on our Lord that binds up the brokenhearted. And where we have failed, thank God there is mercy We lay hold of mercy. We extend mercy to our mate. And we hope to receive mercy from our mate. And I thank you, Father, for a brand new day and a brand new beginning as we continue to practice the love of God. Father, for those coming of age who want to be married but are not married yet, Father, give unto them an eye that sees, really sees. Give them an ear to hear that really hears. Help them, Father, to have the grace inside, to want the plan of God more than anything else in their life. For life will be sweet, and the plan of God will unfold. For those who are patient, and those who are in faith, those who refuse to compromise, and to settle for something less than God's best. I agree and release my faith with them. The right one shall come. They shall come in God's time. And I pray that until that day, the singles in our church, under the sound of my voice, they will spend their single days preparing and qualifying themselves for the one they say they want God to bring. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for ministering by your Spirit. Let the angels of God get involved. I pray for parents. May the angels of God be active and involved in pairing our children with the ones that God has chosen. All our children are taught of the Lord, and we declare and decree, great shall be the peace of our children. We thank you for all of this, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, did you get a nugget? I hope you did. Praise God. I did my best. Well, you could go ahead and stand up on your feet today.